Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. So today I'm going to be talking about parenting and providing tips for those of you who identify yourselves as being an empath or a highly sensitive person, or maybe just someone who feels overwhelmed by your kids, their emotions, the demands, the chaos that can come with parenting in general. You know, as we all know, parenting, of course, is wonderful and full of so much gifts and really a lot of high highs, but also is full of a lot of challenges and chaos and noise and messes comes with the territory. But for those of us, and I'm identifying myself as a highly sensitive person, for those of us who are highly sensitive people or empaths, the sense of overwhelm and stress can at times feel almost unbearable. I'm defining highly sensitive people or HSPs for short as people who have sensory processing sensitivities, which is about about 15 to 20% of the general population. This is not the same as sensory processing disorder or SPD, which is a diagnosable condition, but it's just a natural variance in human temperaments and personalities, although there certainly can be an overlap between HSPs and people with sensory processing disorders in the way in which they experience the world. So maybe you don't know if you would consider yourself a highly sensitive person or an empath, but maybe you can relate to at times feeling overwhelmed by your children and their emotions. So this episode will help all of you, whether you identify as HSP or maybe just feeling that sense of overwhelm at times. Last May, I released an episode on orchid children. Um, it's episode number 23, if you didn't listen to it. And it was called Parenting the Highly Sensitive Orchid Child. Well, today I'm focusing on orchid parents. Like I just said, I myself identify as a highly sensitive person and an empath. And that certainly has come with a lot of gifts as it relates to my parenting specifically, but also some real challenges. And as a mom to four children, none of whom I would categorize as quiet I sometimes have felt really challenged as a parent because of being highly sensitive. And I admit, especially in my early parenting days, 
at times I would feel so overwhelmed that I would join my toddlers in their tantrums. I would have adult tantrums or I would kind of counter their energy with my own out of control energies because of feeling completely overwhelmed by all that sensory input and all that emotional energy. And honestly, there are still days when I do reach my breaking point and feel completely overwhelmed by my children and all the noise and the demands flying at me and the clutter. It really reached its height when all six of us in our family were home doing remote learning when the kind of the initial return to home learning. And there was just so much of that noise and demands and clutter that I felt kind of at my breaking point more often than I care to admit. But also in my experience in my over 17 years as a parent and also helping support other parents in my parent coach practice who also identify as being highly sensitive, I have developed some strategies that have worked for me and for others, and I'm continuing to identify more. And those are what I plan to share with you today on this episode in the hopes that it will help you in your parenting journeys, whether you're an HSP or not. I'm sure this can help any of you who at times feel overwhelmed, which I think is probably all of you. <laughs> so first, I want to kind of talk about some of the most common challenges for highly sensitive people as parents. The first is the tendency to take on our children's feelings and emotions as our own. This is a challenge for all highly sensitive and empathic people. We tend to take on the energy of others. We tend to sometimes not be able to differentiate somebody else's problems, stress, worry, frustration as their own. It kind of hits us almost as if it were our own, particularly when it's our children's feelings and emotions. As a mother, of course, and as a mother who carried my own children, my children were within me, like literally within me and have my DNA within them. And so interesting to learn that their DNA is also inside of me for the rest of my life. So in some ways, we truly are literally connected on a very physical level, but also for any parent, whether you birthed your child or your child came to you via adoption or fostering, or if you are a father and didn't obviously physically carry your child within you, we still can experience this sense of our own children's feelings being like they belong to us. And that can be really challenging and overwhelming for parents who experience this. Another common challenge is that the brains of HSP people can become overwhelmed with an abundance of sensory input. So when there's a lot of sounds, a lot of noise, a lot of visual input coming at us, maybe a lot of smells, maybe just so much tactile uh, touch. Some parents who are HSPs talk about feeling overtouched, like by all the physical contact with their children, particularly very young children who require a lot of physical proximity. So the brains can feel completely overwhelmed to the point where they feel like they go offline or in many cases, feel like they almost 
break. You have a moment like a electrical panel, which gets too much going at it at one times and the breakers fly because it's reached its max load. That sometimes can be the experience for parents who are HSPs with so much input on both the sensory level and emotional level. Another common challenge is highly sensitive people are more prone to lose their mix, their ability to mix their emotions and or overreact due to the above mentioned, the things I already mentioned in terms of taking on our children's feelings as our own and being overwhelmed by so much sensory and emotional input. So when I say lose our mix, I'm referring to losing our ability to integrate and mix a range of emotions more than one feeling at a time, which is of course a key factor in emotional maturity But we all go through moments when we forget that the child in front of us is our beloved and we lash out, we yell at them, we do something that is hurtful because a emotion takes over and kind of just blows all the other things out of the water. And that emotion is driven by this kind of real primal fight or flight stress energy, stress response. And because of that, we lose our mix. We forget for a moment to mix our frustration that we may be feeling with our feelings of caring and love for our child. And so because of that, we might overreact or lash out or act in ways in which we do not intend to. It's not part of our intention. We don't want to yell at our children. We don't want to treat them with disrespect, and yet we do it. And then afterwards, of course, feel terrible because we have cause some wounding in our children, and then we have to go back and repair. So that becomes a more common experience for HSP parents. Another common challenge, emotional exhaustion. Again, because of this influx and overwhelming feeling by all that sensory and emotional input, and also experiencing our children's emotions as if they were our own, that causes tremendous amount of emotional exhaustion and burnout. And kind of hand in hand with that, another common challenge has to do with experiencing chronic stress because of all that I've already mentioned, experiencing constant and chronic stress, which we know has really negative ramifications for our health and our ability to live not only emotionally healthy lives, but physically healthy lives, because there is so much that is been studied and revealed to us about the negative impact on stress on our bodies and our health and our well-being. So knowing that HSP parents and parents who are highly empathic and easily overwhelmed have all those challenges, I'm going to now provide for you five tips that can be helpful in managing these challenges that come along with being a highly sensitive human being. The first one is to make peace and recognize that being an HSB person and an empath is a gift. Recognize the gift. See it as a gift. HSB parents are more attuned to the needs of others, especially their children. And because of that, we're 
better able to kind of decode behaviors and understand what might be at the root cause and what is causing problematic behaviors and causing our children to really struggle, we're more attuned to what those might be. So we can kind of dig down and help our children and meet the needs that are presenting as problematic behaviors. We tend to be more intuitive in terms of understanding the needs and also how to meet them. And clearly we're more able to be empathetic to the struggles that our children may be experiencing. All of those are a tremendous gift. Sometimes in my parent coach practice, when I'm working with somebody who maybe is not as attuned to their children and their needs, there's a lot of frustration in understanding and getting to the root issues for parents. And they spend a lot of time working with me just to try and decode these underlying issues, the unmet needs within their children. I have to kind of use my own attunement, my own ability to be intuitive and understanding and interpreting what they're presenting to me in the form of behaviors to help them identify what are the root causes. Different from parents I work with who are highly sensitive, who identify, whether they know it or not, as being highly sensitive people, they can kind of understand. And when I ask them, what do you think was driving that behavior? What do you think was the key issue or the need? They usually can get there pretty quickly with a little bit of my guidance. They tend to be very intuitive and understanding their children's needs. So a little bit less frustrated in not understanding where behaviors are coming from. So again, this is a real gift. And I want you to recognize that and understand that in some ways, you have it easier than the population of parents who do not identify themselves or do not recognize that they are empaths or HSPs. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. The second helpful tip is that you need to find ways and adopt healthy stress releases that will complete the stress response cycle. Now, the stress response cycle, what am I talking about here? That's a new phrase to me, although as soon as I heard it, I recognized exactly what was being referred to. This is a phrase or a term that I was introduced to through a book, Burnout, The Secret for Unlocking the Stress Cycle by Dr. Emily Nagoski and her sister, Dr. Emilia Nagoski. I first heard about the book and these concepts when it was explained on Dr. Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us. And I've put a link to both the book and the podcast episode I'm referring to in my show notes. So you can kind of follow up and get much more information in those two resources. So this stress response, the stress response that we feel that kind of something triggers a stress response within us that need to kind of to um, for like what we think of as that primal fight, flight or freeze response to a stressor that occurs. It, the stress response has a beginning, middle and end. 
But many of us, particularly we empaths and HSBs, we can easily get stuck in a mode of chronic stress because we never complete and close out that stress response. We experience a stress response, we go into action, and we might even fix or find a solution to the stressor, but we never actually complete the cycle and get to a place where we can end it, where we can release that energy that has come up inside of us. And without completing the stress cycle, we can often get stuck in modes of chronic stress because we take on so much, we can get stuck. And this can relate to what I spoke about earlier as a common challenge of experiencing emotional exhaustion and chronic stress. So all people, but especially we HSPs need to be intentional in completing the stress cycles. So here are some tips that are directly from the book, Burnout, to help you think about ways in which you can complete your stress cycles and release this energy that may be causing that emotional exhaustion and chronic stress. And these are from the book, again, so these are not my own unique ideas, although many of these are things that I have utilized. This is a handy list and ideas provided by the book and also mentioned on that podcast. The first and most efficient is physical activity. So we're talking here about exercise, walking, dancing, things that are fairly vigorous, that get your heart rate up, that maybe cause you to sweat. That can release that built up stress and those emotions and complete the cycle. And you don't end up walking around carrying that with you throughout the day. The second is breathing. This is the most gentle and a quick way to release and complete the stress cycle. This is breathing, intentional breathing, breathing that is really in the moment and tied to mindfulness can regulate your nervous system. You can just stop, be mindful of your breath and take some long intentional breaths, or you can even use maybe some yoga breathing techniques uh, or other breathing techniques where you count or you do different visualizations that go along with your breathing to, again, help regulate your nervous system. Another way is through laughter and laughing. Laughing is a wonderful way and a really enjoyable way to complete the stress cycle. And that could be either by reading something funny, watching something that is funny, finding an outlet that causes you to actually have a big laugh. The next one is physical affection. And in particular, mentioned in the book, and this is something I've heard about also in different things that I've come across in attachment theory, physical affection that is played out in what is called the 20-second hug. Not just a quick little, here, I'm going to have a hug with a loved one, but a 20-second hug with your partner, which can relax you co-regulate you, but also goes even further. I'm going to read a quote here from the book about this 20-second hug. I hope I said 20-second before. Sometimes I say 20-minute by accident. 20-minute hug, that sounds a bit over the top to me personally. Maybe it will work for you, but I'm referring to a 20-second hug. Here's the quote from the book. The research suggests a 20-second hug can change your hormones lower your blood pressure and heart rate and improve mood 
all of which are reflected in the post-hug increase in the social bonding hormone oxytocin. And they talk about in the book specifically that this hug is not one where you are maybe sitting next to each other on the couch. It's not one where you basically would lean against your partner and they would be basically holding you up where if you stepped away, you would fall on the ground. This is a kind of hug where you both are on your own feet and you are bearing your own body weight and you kind of equally lean towards each other for this 20 second hug. That has also been scientifically proven to complete that stress response cycle. The next one is crying, just letting yourself cry. And sometimes this can happen when you think about what's been the stressor, what's overwhelming, but any way of crying, anything that can get you or provoke emotions and the emotions of crying is helpful in completing that stress cycle. So whether that is listening to music that moves you or a movie that is sad, or talking to a trusted individual, like a talk therapist or a friend or a spouse, where you can kind of talk through some emotions related to the stressors or not, and allow yourself to cry. A lot of us have kind of trained ourselves to avoid crying. This is a problem for us and oftentimes can be at the root of a lot of problems. I also recorded a podcast episode specifically about crying and went into a lot of detail about the benefits of crying and understanding that crying and tears release toxins and stress hormones through our tears. So it is a very physical and real and scientifically proven way to release stress from our bodies. And it just feels good. And it's an interesting thing that many of us spend a lot of energy avoiding crying because sometimes there's some fear there that it will be hard to stop, that it will be overwhelming, that going to a place where we are so vulnerable and in touch with our feelings might be hard to come back from. But as most of us probably can attest to, particularly if we are less avoidant of crying, is that we feel so good afterwards. You feel the sense of release and calm that comes over you through having a big old cry. And then the last thing that was recommended as a great tactic for completing the stress response cycle is creative expression. This is a big one and one that I personally love. I myself am a singer. I love music. I also love any form of dramatic art, acting, and allowing myself to inhabit another character's brain for your period of time and experience someone else's emotions, but definitely music and playing music and singing music, since that's what I personally love to do. But even if you're not a trained musician or know an instrument, you can just sing along with music. That could be any form of emotion. It could be one that is really energizing and happy, or maybe one that is more of a ballad and more melancholy and can release some of those sadder feelings and emotions. Creative expression can be helpful. Certainly writing, journaling, drawing, painting, and then of course dancing, which is both a physical exercise release, 
also a creative expression. So you're kind of doubling down there if you are dancing and choosing that. So that was a lot there under my second tip to adopt healthy stress releases to complete the stress response cycle. But one that I think has kind of the most meat and the most, um, you can really look at those and say, okay, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to adopt this as a habit. I'm going to put this into practice every day to try and release those stresses so I don't carry them around with me and continue feeling such a sense of overwhelm. My third tip in terms of helping those of us who are HSPs and parenting is to schedule and protect your downtime. This is not a luxury. This is essential for HSP parents. You need that time to perhaps tackle one of the ideas I just provided from the book of burnout in terms of a way to complete your stress response cycle. But am I also this downtime is also a time for you to regulate your emotions, to reflect and to recharge your battery, which probably feels empty a lot of the times. And rather than just throwing yourself into bed and calling that your downtime, take some space when you're still awake. It might be at a time when nobody else in the family is awake, particularly your children, like right before bed, or maybe you get up a little bit before your children in the morning and you make time to have that space to be able to reflect and regulate your emotions and kind of give yourself that energy by having downtime, time where there isn't anybody demanding something of you or a need or an emotion that is kind of needing a, to be addressed by somebody in your family. My fourth tip is to create for yourself an internalized mantra that works in times that you often find yourself getting triggered. I said internalized mantra. It's okay if you say this out loud, but I would encourage you not to say something like this in front of your children, because that in and of itself might be alarming to your kid. They may not understand what you're doing, and it may be communicating something to them that you want to keep to yourself. I'll share with you the internalized mantra that I made for myself when I found myself often joining my toddlers in their tantrums, as I said earlier at the beginning of this podcast. I used to kind of wake up in the morning and before I was around my children, I would just say to myself, it's okay for my child to have a tantrum, but I will not join them or join her in one today. So, and then if one of my children was having a meltdown, I would kind of keep that self-talk, that mantra going inside my head. It's okay for my child to have a tantrum or it's okay for my child to melt down right now but I do not need to join her. It's kind of going back to the idea of the necessity to separate yourself from your child's emotions, to recognize that this is their experience, these are their emotions and their feelings that they're having. I don't need to join in with them. I can still be empathetic. I could still attend to my child. I can still be supportive, but I don't have to join in the tantrum. I don't have to also go into a meltdown. I don't have to experience their tantrum as if it was my own. So create for yourself a mantra, something you could say to yourself that's gonna help you keep your intention to stay calm in the face of what might be overwhelming emotions and overwhelming amounts of 
sensory input that you're receiving when you're around your children. And then my fifth tip is to visualize a shield or a bubble between yourself and your child. This is a tip that's frequently given to people who identify as empaths, who in the world find themselves really influenced or oftentimes negatively by other people's energies and emotions. You can do this as a parent to create this shield or bubble between yourself and your child when they're in meltdown mode or when there's a lot of sensory output from them coming towards you. And this is not a shield that's like protecting you from your child. That's not what I'm referring to here. It's more like a see-through protective barrier to help you realize and identify yourself as a separate being from your child, to help you visualize and hold yourself within yourself and recognize again that your child's emotions and their meltdown, whatever's happening for them is outside of yourself and is happening within them. And that can, again, help you from maybe taking on their feelings, their emotions as your own, creating that mental bubble. I would envision this being see-through because I still want my child to know that I see them and that I hear them. But I'm envisioning this so that maybe it's not so intense so that I can keep my own cool in the face of a lot of sensory input coming from my children. This can be helpful. Now, some of these tips I've shared today may resonate with you. Some of them you may have tried before, and I'm just reminding of them, and some of them may be brand new. I don't recommend trying all of them at once. I would suggest that you maybe pick one of the things I've suggested and try it. See if it's helping you feel more regulated than maybe you have been prior to listening today. And then if that's working for you, you can maybe try some other things until you get to a place where you feel like these tools are really helping you stick with your intention of being a very responsive parent who is attuned to your child and focused on relationship and attachment, but less likely overwhelmed and drained in experiencing some of the negatives that can come with the fact that you are perhaps a highly sensitive individual. I hope this has been helpful for you today. Thanks for listening and tune in next time on the next episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.